Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. We just thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for the hunger in the room here today. We thank you that we've worshipped you as King here this morning, and that's who you are, Lord. You are King over all of creation. You are King over every circumstance. You are King over every ruler. No one can stand against you, Father. You are King over the times and the ages, Lord. And you are Lord, you are King, you are ruler over us as well. And so we just come and we just humbly submit ourselves before you as we come into this time of looking at your word this morning. Lord, we pray that you, your voice would be speaking into our hearts, that you'd be empowering us, Father, for your plans and purposes as King. And that we would be able to partner with you, that we'd be able to come into alignment with you, Father. And so we pray as the seed is scattered here in this place today, that we would be fertile soil, ready to receive everything that you have for us, Lord. We pray against any distraction in Jesus' name. We pray that the purity of your word would be received in this house here today. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. 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 There has been a um, scripture that has gripped my heart from as soon as the Lord set me on fire. I was uh, 22 years old. Uh, I'd grown up in a Christian home. My mum had taken me to church. I'd, um, I'd given my heart to the Lord at a very young age. And at 22 years old, Jesus grabbed a hold of me and he shook me and he opened my eyes and I understood who he was for the first time and I started living a life that was no longer with one foot in each world but was completely surrendered to Jesus. And it was so freeing and it was this epic point where I realised I cannot keep doing both. And I'd been doing both really, really well. And in that season, I was consuming Scripture as God was setting me on fire. I was consuming His Word for the first time in my life. I was reading it every moment I could. And it was, it was like my food. It was like fuel to the fire. And this passage in Acts 2 gripped me and, and, it's, and it hasn't stopped and it's, It's Peter quoting from the book of Joel. And this is what it says in part. It says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And it it gripped me so much because I, I had understood end times to a certain point as being so much doom and gloom. And I was like, I'd read the Left Behind series, right? And I'm like, you don't want to be left behind. I'm like, Lord, I love you. Don't leave me behind, right? And it gripped my heart because it gave me hope 
that even in the last times, even if there is tribulation and the world falls to pieces, that the Father is going to pour out His Spirit and we're going to see Him do amazing things. There will be a drawing to Him of many, many people. And He lit that fire in me for revival. He gave me hope that the world is not just doom and gloom, that it's not just all hopeless, but there is a promise here that He will pour out His Spirit. And it goes on to say, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And that's happening right now. And here's the great news at the end of this. If anyone's like stuck in the doom and gloom part, it says this. It says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise the Lord. There is hope And the promise there is that it's not too late right now. It's not too late. And so as we look around the world today and we see some very tragic things going on in our world and we see uh, natural disasters and earthquakes and floods and we see evil just having so much power and so much freedom and being openly glorified these days that people, it just seems to be more overt than ever before. And it's like sin is literally worshipped these days and encouraged and confusion is promoted. And we look around the world and we think, surely what we see right now are the signs that the Lord is coming soon, right? And so it raises this question. And so today I want to speak to you about the last days, okay? The end times and um, some people are like, yoo-hoo, and other people are like, great, I invited a friend today (laughs) and they finally came and you're already nudging them like, it's not normally like this, okay? Sometimes he's funny. And some people, you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what these end times, this last days is. Um, maybe you're thinking like movies and, you know, the meteor comes in and wipes out the world and the elite human race, you know, gets to go in the submarines and get saved and start again or, or the talking apes take over the world and um, all those things, uh, zombie apocalypse. Um, and look, to be honest... Who knows how bad things are going to get, right? But that's not what I'm talking about. I am, when I'm talking about the last days, I am talking about God's plan for the end of life as we know it. A new age where Jesus is king, where he returns and he sets things right and he rules and reigns and everyone stands in his presence and acknowledges who he is. That's what I'm talking about. And it's an interesting topic. I don't know how many 
messages you've ever heard on the end times. I was reading a theology book in preparation for this message and I thought it described really well the approach to end times by some Christians and some uh, pastors and preachers. And this is what he said. He said, the study of eschatology, which is, it just means the last days or the last things, the study of eschatology has evoked a variety of responses among believers, ranging from virtual avoidance to total preoccupation with the doctrine. And he went on to say that there are usually two contrasting trends when it comes to this. He said the first people are the people who get completely obsessed. And um, he told a story about one pastor who preached on the book of Revelations every Sunday for 19 years. You just, you just call the church Revelation Church, right? The book of Revelation, 19 years. The second trend is that um, pastors and leaders and preachers completely avoid the topic because either they don't feel equipped to preach and teach on it um, or because they want to avoid some of the divisiveness that it can bring because often people don't land in the same place when it comes to some of these, uh, some of the topics in this area. And so um, generally people avoid it because um, there are people who have this definite understanding of some of the prophetic literature in the Bible and they therefore identify every significant event that's going on in the world or in history and it comes with this really black and white understanding of the end times. And so a leader feels like if I'm going to um, not align with that in some way, then we're just going to have outrage in the church and we're going to have all the pre-people sitting on this side and the post-people sitting on this side and, you know. So I do have to admit that um, I've probably been guilty of this at times, of avoiding it, uh, for not feeling equipped, um, for not wanting to bring about divisiveness in the church. Uh, but I want to repent from that this morning because in many ways there are people who have sat under the teaching here at Hope Community for 10 years now and probably heard less than five messages on the end times. And the truth is that the Bible is full of things that talk about the last days and that to fully understand who Jesus is, we need to understand these things. We need to understand who he is and we need to understand what's ahead. And as I was praying about this, Jesus just said so clearly to me, Dan, just tell them who I am. Amen. Tell them who I am. And that's just taken a hold of me. And so today I'm, I'm going to give you an introduction to the last days, okay? You're, you're in Bible college class today and I'm going to give you an introduction. It's going to be super teachy. I'm going to give you a thousand scripture references. Um, some people are going to fall asleep. I know that already. That's okay. I hope you can stay with me. If, you, if you're not taking notes, you need to. You're not going to remember all of this. I'm going to give you a lot of meat to chew on today. I do want to say this. There is so much teaching out there on the end times um, and there's a huge number of interpretations 
I'm well aware of that. Um, at one stage, uh, you know, Oprah was the Antichrist. Um, at this point in time, I think it's Elon Musk, apparently. Um, I'm not going anywhere near that, okay? If you want to have an electric car, go for it. So I am going to share with you today on points that are in Scripture that are very widely accepted and agreed upon. And these are things that the Bible makes really clear. All right? And so um, here, are, here are three events that will occur in the last days. And for some people here, you're going to be like, this is old news, heard it all before. And for other people here, this is going to be one of the heaviest messages you have ever heard, all right? So buckle up. But either way, we want the Holy Spirit to speak. Amen? And so God, we just pray that you would have your way here today as we come to your word, even that I would get out of the way, Father, and that the power and the truth of your word would speak into our hearts for each one of us, Lord, that we would place it before you, Father, that we would receive it, that we would engage with it, that it would be the truth that we live from, Lord. And so we just pray against distraction. We pray that the filters, even in which we process and understand things that would be removed this morning so we can just get pure truth from you, Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. All right, so the first event is this. The first event is the second coming of Christ. In the last days, Jesus is coming back, okay? And that is news for excitement. Like that is, this is the hope of the Christian faith. And so when Jesus returns, it, it marks the beginning of the completion of God's plan for the last days. And this is not just something that Christians have made up because they're like, well, we need to trust in a God who's going to win. So let, let's just say he, he comes back and he's like the victor at the end, right? That sounds good. If you're here today and you're new to faith or Christianity, I want you to hear this. We literally believe that Jesus is going to return. And that might sound like a fairy tale to you. I get that, right? This is what we believe. And I know um, it's been a while, right, since he was here. <laughs> like, well, okay, today, like, the disciples were doing that, you know, as soon as he left. So we believe that Jesus is going to return. And here's what Jesus actually said about this. He said, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So the people mourning are those people who are suddenly confronted with the reality that there is a heavenly king and ruler, and they have chosen to live their life separate from his authority. That is going to be a terrible day for some people. In the upper room in the book of John, it says that when Jesus was with the disciples, that he told them 
that he goes to prepare a place for them and he will return to take them to where he is. We believe that Jesus is coming again. And I love in the book of Acts chapter 1, there's this scene where the disciples are, are there and you've got to picture this. They were with Jesus and then he just started floating up into the sky and returned to heaven, right? Now that is a cool trick, okay? <laughs> Jesus leaves earth, returns to the right hand of the Father and they're literally standing there looking into heaven and I'm sure they're feeling like, well, what happens now? <laughs> like, What? Back to fishing. And angels, two angels appear and they say to them, why are you standing there looking up to heaven? Jesus has returned to heaven, but he's going to return to earth in just the same way. He's coming back. He's coming back on the clouds. Now, I don't know if you believe this. This is very clear in Scripture. I want you to understand this. Even from a young age, I understood this. And I've told this story before, but it's pretty funny because I believed that Jesus was coming back and I'd been taught that. And I was staying at a friend's house one night and I was sleeping on the floor. And in the middle of the night, I woke out of my sleep and the whole room was full with this really bright light. And I was so groggy and I woke up and it was bright And my instant reaction was, Jesus is here, like he's back. And as I was just having a split second to enjoy that thought, this is the day he's here, he's come in his glory. The car that was shining its lights through the window backed out of the driveway and the room went dark again. And I realised, okay, this is not the day I'm going back to sleep. This is a reality of who Jesus is. But like I said, it's been a while. It's been a while. Jesus, like, where are you? And so the big question is, when is he coming back? Because he said a long time ago now that he's coming and we're still here waiting. And here's what I want you to hear that Jesus said about the timing of his return. Matthew 24, he said, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realise what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So what's this saying? This is saying a few things. It's telling us it would have taken Noah years to build the ark, right? And people were mocking him. We know that from Scripture. He's building the ark. Um, Eventually the storm clouds start forming, right? And people are, oh, maybe there is a bit of rain on the horizon, And yet people still insisted on living the way they wanted to live. And when the rain came, they were surprised. And it's the same today. It has been a long time now, right? The ark's been getting built for 2,000 years. 
And people are like, I'm going to live the way that I want to live now. And people are going to get surprised by the return of Jesus. He goes on, he says, So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So there is nowhere in Scripture where you will find the exact time of the second coming. That would be wonderful. That would be really good, but it's not in there. But we are called to keep watch. There is a call for us to watch and Scripture is full of prophetic words that reveal that there is a process of events preceding the return of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And so we are to keep watch and be ready for His return. Now, I want you to hear this, okay? The first time Jesus came, he came as a humble servant, a baby born in a manger. He was a, he put on human flesh and bones, God in human flesh, and he humbled himself and even allowed himself to be crucified on a cross, the greatest form of humiliation at the time. But when he returns, Jesus is going to come in glory and splendor. There is not, it, it will not be the same. There will be no doubt that this is the Son of God. There will be no question on anyone's mind. There's going to be trumpets, there's going to be angels. He's going to come in like riding on the clouds, right? There's no donkeys and stables and things like that this time. The whole earth will know that He is King. And it's going to be a wonderful day because we gather together and we worship Jesus as King. And on that day, we're going to... That's Him. He's King. He's going to be great. And on earth, He... He came so humbly. There was a time when he said, you know what, right now I could ask the Father and he would send 12 legions of angels. That's the power he had at hand. Well, when he returns, the whole crew are coming with him. Okay? And we're going to see him. There's going to be no doubt about him as king and no power on earth being able to stand against him. It's going to be the glorious return of the king. All right, that's event number one. Jesus is coming back. Event number two is the resurrection of the body. The good news is that we get new bodies as believers in Jesus and the great news is for anyone who has a fear of death is that there is more. This is not the end, that the resurrection is coming for each one of us. I had a friend who very close to me who had a real fear of death. This is before he was a Christian. And he was actually talking to a friend one day who was a Christian. And they were talking about this topic and his friend said, I have no fear of death. 
I have only peace. I know where I'm going and who I'm going to be with. And he was like, are you kidding me? I am terrified of death. And it took him on this journey and the father revealed himself to him. And now he is a crazy evangelist telling everyone about who Jesus is. There is no need for us to have any fear of death. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about some detail of what this is going to look like for us. And here's what we know is that after we die, we get what Paul calls a spiritual body. And Scripture tells us that these new bodies, they won't perish. Um, They'll be free from some of the imperfections or all the imperfections that we have now. Some people are like, I don't have any imperfections. I just want this body forever. (laughs) Our spiritual bodies are going to be way better. I just want you to know that even if you're hot now, you'll be hotter in heaven. (laughs) This This is what he says, 1 Corinthians 15, 53. He says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So we receive bodies that will be able to live forever, for eternity with the Lord. Now, this is really good news for anyone who has health issues, who's known sickness or disease or injuries, or even just getting old and you're like, oh, even right now, my back like just, you know, when you get up and you're like, you're getting a new body, okay? And it's going to be great. Romans 8, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. So we don't keep this body But in some way, there is a connection with our spiritual body that we will have forever. I want you to understand that the resurrection is great news for us. And maybe if you've always known Christianity, then this can probably, um, we probably can't understand the fullness of this. But if you come from a different culture or belief system, then what this is saying is you're not returning as an eagle. Um, If you've been bad, you're not coming back as a slug. Um, We are going to be in heaven in the presence of the Lord with a heavenly spiritual body. Is that great news? I think that's great news. All right. Um, Number three. The third event. The third event is the final judgment. Dun, dun, dun. And this is the one, this is the one that really seems to freak people out, right? When I was younger, this one freaked me out. I pictured this scene when I was younger. I'm standing before the Lord and there's like all of creation. Everyone's there in the grandstands for some reason. And there's like this movie screen and every bad thing I've ever done is playing on the movie screen for everyone to know. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, stop. And I'm like feeling like, 
it's okay. At the end, you've been forgiven. It's all good. You just got to go through this process. I'm like, Lord, I'd really rather not if that's okay. Does anyone else feel like that? Yeah. Okay. It's not just me. I want you to know this. If you were a follower of Jesus, then the final judgment is the exciting moment where you actually become known in heaven as an eternal child of God. It is the moment where you receive your reward for following Jesus on earth. It's gonna be amazing. And this is what Jesus said about it in Matthew 16. He said, the Son of Man is gonna come in His Father's glory with His angels and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. There's joy breaking out down here. And if you need it, you just need to come and get some. They're not laughing at Jesus returning. I can promise you that. Are you laughing at every bad thing you've done being on this screen? So here's here's the truth, and you need to hear this. The Bible teaches that every human will be judged in terms of their earthly lives. Every human. No one misses out on this. Paul says, every single person will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's Romans 14. Here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 4. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. He sees into our heart. This is why the psalmist said, Lord, look in and see if there'd be any wicked way in me. Search my heart, O Lord. Because we don't just want to look great from the outside. We don't just want to do great things. We want to be clean in here. That means every bit of bitterness would be gone. That means our heart would be so full of love that when the Father looks across the earth, He says, there's my child, there's my child, there's my child. And when we stand before Him, Jesus says, here you are, I know you. God will see into our hearts. In Proverbs 9, he says that the fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom. And this fear is is not about just fearing the Lord and fear like we know it as being afraid of a snake or a spider. But it's about this reverence of the Lord and an understanding that we are all accountable to Him. And so in a world where it seems people believe that they are accountable to no one and nothing, then this is very countercultural. They might feel like they have some freedom in this world now, but they will always be accountable to the Lord. It's coming one day, if not now. That's the truth of the Scriptures. So the final judgment is a time. It's coming and it's a time when God's justice is declared over every human. It's a time when evil will be punished and that faith and faithfulness will be rewarded. 
He is a good Father. And Jesus is clear. When He was on earth, as hard as it may be to hear, He was clear about it. He said, those on their left, He will say, depart from me to eternal punishment and the righteous will know eternal life. It's very, very clear. And so I want you to hear this. For the believer, for a follower of Jesus, the final judgment shouldn't provoke fear. It should be a glorious moment where we get to know, Lord, I love you and here we go for eternity. That's what final judgment is going to be about. But for me personally, the understanding of this being an event of the last time grips my heart because I realise that people who have no understanding of Jesus do not also understand that the decisions for the way they live right now have eternal consequences. And they need to have an awareness that grace and forgiveness is available to them and Jesus has made it possible for them to be made righteous and stand before the Lord. That's what grips my heart. And so we're the people who tell those people. All right. Are you still with me? Okay. Some, some are rolling around the floor, giggling. Um, more, Lord, just get them good. If joy is what you're bringing. We receive it. Oh, someone's not getting joy. Bless him, Lord. That's my buddy, Elias. Love you, Elias. Uh, All right, there's the teaching. Now I'm going to give you three reasons you need to know this. Real quick, As you might be sitting there just like, what the heck, Dan? (laughs) Like when we walk out of church today, what am I meant to do with that, right? We're going on that holiday we've always dreamed of because Jesus is coming back soon. (laughs) I must admit there's been times where I'm like, Jesus, I'd love to get my landscaping done (laughs) before you return. That's bad. Sometimes I'm really pure and I'm like, it's about people. Sometimes it's landscaping. Okay. Three reasons you need to know this. Stay with me. I told you this wouldn't be funny. Okay, number one. Most of us live completely detached from the reality that one day we're all going to die and spend eternity somewhere. Jesus has made a way for us to spend eternity in God's presence. And God wants to use us to point more people to Jesus. When I joke about the landscaping, there are also family members who are very dear to me. And I've said, Lord, I just desperately want to see them know you before you come again. Can I have that? Here's what it says in Titus 2 about the last days. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from the godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. 
He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. The day is coming for each one of us. Are we living intentionally? Number two, um, the end times reminds us that while we're here on earth, there is actually far more than what we see. And the world wants us to be consumed and caught up and distracted in the things around us. The enemy loves it when we are off track from the things of the Lord and on a different path. When we're consumed by worldly things and not the things of God. But here's the thing, even when we look around at what we see, there is always more with the Lord. There is always more. There's more happening around us and there is a bigger picture of His plan that is at work. It is far bigger than our small worlds. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. These are the things that we fix our eyes on, eternity, the things of God that will last forever. Number three, just like there were in Jesus' day, there are people today who believe that Jesus is gonna return soon and therefore that gives them permission to live irresponsibly or make the most of the last days and how they want to live. And so it's a really reasonable question that if we were to believe that Jesus will come even in our lifetime, how then are we meant to live? And I want you to hear this, the Scripture tells us. In Acts 1, 7, this scene where Jesus ascends, returns to the right hand of the Father. We always hear about verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But just before that, this is what it says. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking Him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So they were asking, is this are we in the last days? Are you ready to do it yet? And listen to Jesus' response now in that context. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. But, and this is where this verse comes into it but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what's he saying? He's saying in light of the coming end times, which you will not know when they are, here's what I want you to do. While you're waiting, be my witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. That's our instructions. 
and it hasn't changed. That's still our instructions. And so what do we do? We watch, we wait, and we worship. We offer our lives as a living sacrifice in worship to the King. And when He returns, even if it's in our lifetime, He is gonna catch us living lives of worship. This is what we do. But here's what I want you to hear today. Is the time for complacency has passed. The glory of the Lord is coming and He's outpouring over the earth right now. He's pouring out His Spirit across the earth. And now is when we need to be about the things that God is about. Now is the opportunity to move closer to the Lord. Now is the opportunity to come before Him and surrender all. Now is the opportunity to repent, turn from your ways and turn to the Lord. And I want you to hear this so clear, is that there will be a definite time where Jesus will know who loves Him and who doesn't. Now is the time to turn our hearts to Him, to see Him for who He really is. And we need to lay down anything that gets in the way of that, anything. And I want you to hear this today. Whatever it takes to put Him first and nothing else, do it, whatever it takes. And I know this might sound hardcore, but this is what the Lord wants. He wants our hearts, every part of it. And so if you, if you cannot control yourself and you just have to look at porn on your laptop, get rid of it. If your phone and social media are giving you difficulties with your mental headspace, Get rid of it. If you need to wake up earlier to spend time in the Word and be with the Lord, start tomorrow. Now is the time for us to turn our hearts to the King of glory because one day He's coming again and we're gonna stand before Him. And that's when we're gonna know we've been faithful. And that's when we're gonna know it's not too late. And so I want, I want you to hear this, whether it is last days right now in our lifetime or not, we desperately need Jesus. We desperately need more of Him and the world needs more of Him as well. And it might sound like an extreme message right now and it might be hardcore and fundamental, but I promise you when you stand before the Lord, it won't. Okay, all those things are gonna fade into insignificant as we stand before His glory and worship Him. I can promise you that.
And so can you jump on your feet? And we're gonna finish just in worship and consecration was the word that the Lord really gave me as we finish our time today, that we would consecrate ourselves to Him. And so I just wanna offer this space down the front this morning. If you're an old school Pentecostal, then this is the altar. And they would say, come to the altar this morning. Come and make peace with the Lord today. If you need to repent, come and repent. If you need to come and just say, I wanna be closer, Lord, come and say that this morning. But we're gonna worship Him. And this is just your time to respond as He leads this morning. so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.